This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. Self-love means healing your wounds, right? It's not so pretty and fluffy. It is meditating. It is self-practice. It's being kind to yourself. It's being compassionate. It's setting boundaries and relationships when you need to. The most important relationship you will ever have is with yourself. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness-related issues. On today's show, we're going to discuss the health benefits of vitamin D. Then we're going to discuss yoga as a path to love. And lastly, we're going to compare old school versus new school cookbook recipes. But first, a little bit of business. Today's sponsor is Purely Natural. This family-owned Canadian company of fourth-generation master herbalists has been in business for over 100 years. They've been working with Tonic Magazine for over 10 years, and in particular, writing for Tonic, heading up our preventative medicine column for over seven years. Purely Natural is also one of the original sponsors for the OMTO Yoga Festival and the Fit for Fall Festival. Their products are certified GMP, kosher, and organic. I use Purely Natural products, and I think they're terrific. Joel Thuna, MH, is a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality and natural products on the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. Joel's an entertaining and accessible writer, and today we're going to discuss his latest article in Tonic Magazine, all about the health benefits of vitamin D. Hey, Joel, welcome back. As always, it's a pleasure to be here and to see you. There's a famous scene uh, from Woody Allen's 70s satire, Sleeper, where people from the future discuss that scientific studies show that chocolate fudge is actually good for you. Oh, I wish. Yeah, I wish too. <laughs> and every time I see a new study about a nutraceutical or a food, I'm reminded of chocolate fudge. And, and you know, is it really good for me? Isn't it really good for me? Vitamin D became one of those supplements that everybody was talking about. And, you know, for a long time, the narrative was, you know, you live in a northern climate. Yep. You've, you've got to take vitamin D. But recently, they sort of stepped back from that. And they're saying, well... The body makes vitamin D and maybe you don't need to supplement. And I think that creates confusion in the marketplace. So you're here today to sort of explain what vitamin D is and how we get it and how we need it. Sure. Let's start at the beginning. What is vitamin D? Well, contrary to popular belief, vitamin D isn't actually just one single vitamin. It's a whole family of vitamins that are closely related to each other. I didn't know that. A lot of people don't. The two forms that are most important in humans and in human nutrition are vitamin D2 and vitamin D3. And here are two really funky words. Vitamin D2 is ergo calciferol is its actual chemical name. Right. And vitamin D3 is cholesiferol. And just so everyone out there knows, I'm actually reading these. I don't memorize Yeah, I, I, was wondering, <laughs> I was wondering if I was going to be tested later on that. So we'll call it vitamin D. Fair enough. Because I'm not going to use the other words. What does vitamin D do for us? Well, before we go into that, sure. I want to actually back out and explain sure. the difference between D2 and D3. Go for it. D2 is vegan vitamin D. It comes from plants, oh. whereby D3 
is vitamin D that can either be vegetarian when it comes from sheep's wool or it actually comes from animals where it would actually come from fish livers. Oh, so wow. those are the two sources, and they're, they're very different. Okay. And, and what does vitamin D do for us? Well, vitamin D is actually what I call a master vitamin in that it does so many things. It's actually ridiculous, and it would take this show and several others to explain all of them in detail. Fair enough. What it's best known for is, is its role in bone health. They've known about that for centuries, and that's, that's where most of the guidelines were actually created for usage of it. But what it also does is it's required for your muscles, your heart, your lungs, your nerves, your brain, and your immune systems to all function properly. Additionally, vitamin D plays a key role in helping your body fight off multiple degenerative conditions. Okay. So stuff that affects your bones or degenerative in general? Oh, it affects numerous things. Vitamin D plays a role in preventing cancer. It plays a role in muscular sclerosis, muscular dystrophy, heart disease, any of those degenerative conditions, even going as far as diabetes. It plays a role in helping your body prevent them and also helping you live with them if you're living with them. Okay. So one of the takeaway points that I've read about is that in fact, our body produces vitamin D, doesn't it? Your body does, but this is a bit of a dicey way of doing it. So okay. let's explain it. You get vitamin D through three different pathways. Okay. One, your body can make it. Yes. Two, you can take it in your food. Or three, you supplement with it. Right. So the most natural way, if you're thinking that way, is to get it where your body makes it itself. What happens is bare skin gets exposed to the UV radiation of sunlight, actually UVB, ultraviolet B, and it causes your skin to actually create vitamin D. Sounds great, sounds wonderful. However, there are some issues with it. Number one, the only time your body can make it is if you're exposed to intense sunlight and a lot of your body is, which great for vitamin D production, bad for skin cancer. Right. So that's a problem. To prevent that, a good rule of thumb is you expose a lot of your skin to half the time it takes to burn. That's half the time. Now, if we lived in Southern California, it'd be great. We'd be able to do it every day of the week. That's no right. problem. Here in Ontario, we're lucky if we get two weeks a year where it's actually physically possible to expose enough skin to sunlight and have the sunlight strong enough to actually give us enough vitamin D to last the day. Unfortunately, we don't. And in other cities outside of southern Ontario, it's even worse. So then our choices are through our food or through supplementation, correct? Correct. Let's talk about food for a moment. Okay. Some foods are naturally contain vitamin D. Those would be egg yolks, some fish, and liver. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and, and it's added to our milk, is it not? Yes. Yeah, some foods have it added to it, which is some dairy products and some fortified breakfast cereals. The problem is, yes, they contain vitamin D, but the levels in them in any of the food source are virtually so low that it's virtually impossible to get enough every day to maintain good health. So let's talk about it. So, so that leaves us with supplementation, which leads to another issue, which is how much vitamin D and what sort of quality of vitamin D do you need in order for your body to get the benefits of it? Okay. So that, again, is a point of contention. Right. Health Canada says that as an adult, we should have 1,000 IU a day from a combination of sources. 
The problem is they base those recommendations on just bone health, no other health benefits, and from years and years and years ago. In 2009, uh, the Institute of Medicine in the United States, which is their big governmental agency for science, undertook a complete review of vitamin D, but then again just for bone health, which they worked with Health Canada on. And those recommendations were 4,000 IU a day for an adult. Okay, so I'm your friend. How much would you tell Jamie to take (laughs) to be healthy? 1,000 or 4,000? Well, it's actually neither of those. And I'll tell you what I take. I take 5,000 IU every day. Oh, wow. Okay. My nine-year-old takes 2,000 IU a day. Okay. And I'm fairly comfortable with that based on the science I've read. Then we move into which form to take, et cetera. Right. And along those lines, here's the good news. Vitamin D is relatively inexpensive. It's available in tons of different formats, pills, capsules, tablets, liquids. It's not hard. You can get it everywhere, and it's reasonably inexpensive. What I do, as I said, is 5,000 IU every day. I do vitamin D2, which is the vegan version. I do it in drops that have no taste. It's 1,000 IU per drop, so it's simply five drops a day. Mm-hmm. And the one I take in particular is olive oil, vitamin D, and safflower oil, non-GMO, simple, easy to take, no taste. And that's what I recommend for people to take. Fantastic. Well, in honor of our little discussion about vitamin D, I understand that your company, Purely Natural, has a little bit of a special for the tonic listeners. And if they go to your website, which is purelynaturalstore.com, and you put the following code in. 2018, so 2018, Tonic D, so T-O-N-I-C-D, they get 25% off on vitamin D products, correct? Correct. Any vitamin D product on the site. Through the month of March. Correct. Fantastic. Thank you for coming into the show today. Next time you're coming back, what are we going to talk about? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We'll find out. It'll be interesting. (laughs) We've got to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about yoga as a path to love on the tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. I'd like to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Purica. Purica wants you to turn its protein into your power. A blend of the finest vegan protein and the antioxidant powerhouse that is the pure chaga mushrooms. Purica Power features ingredients and enzymes designed to optimize digestion and absorption. Unlike many protein powders, Purica Power tastes great with water and mixes easily. It's available in chocolate, vanilla, and natural unflavored. From the Purica family to yours, Purica Power is a new way to make the most of every day. It's all part of the Purica commitment to making a positive difference in the lifestyle of its customers. Ask your favorite health food store for Purica Power Vegan Protein or visit Purica.com. 
Purica, nature, science, you. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Sari Nisker-Fox, is an entrepreneur, yoga, and mindfulness teacher, holistic wellness and life coach, and co-creator of the Yoga Weekend Retreat. She's also the founder of Indira Wellness, which curates experiential, physical, nutritional, and mindful programs for businesses to inspire a culture of living well in the workplace. For more information on Sari and the work she does, and in particular, the Yoga Weekend Retreat, visit sarifox.com. That's S-A-R-I-F-O-X.com. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. You were one of our first guests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you remember episode number one? I remember. I was more nervous that day. <laughs> Well, we're not nervous today. No. As a health and wellness publisher, I see trends emerge all the time. Yep. And the concept of self-love is a hot topic yes. uh, in natural wellness and in yoga, yep. which is your realm. Yeah. And it's something you wrote about recently in Tonic Magazine. I did. So proudly. Mm-hmm. So getting started, what does self-love mean for you? Because I know it means different things for different people. Well... I think that self-love, it's always been at the heart of wellness, but I think what's more interesting is that it's kind of front and center in mainstream culture right now, just with this wave of Me Too and people fighting for equality in really constructive and productive ways. And that's, you know, a part of self-love, really attuning to yourself and tending to what you need in every way and really serving yourself at your highest level. Okay. For, for someone who's never heard the phrase or has heard it okay. and doesn't know what it means okay. beyond sort of the philosophical, practically speaking, okay. what does it mean? Self-love means owning your stuff. <laughs> it means healing your wounds, right? It's not so pretty and fluffy. It is meditating. It is self-practice. It's being kind to yourself. It's being compassionate. It's setting boundaries and relationships when you need to. Okay. Why is self-love important to you? And why do you think it's important? The most important relationship you will ever have is with yourself, right? Wherever you go. So it's not my wife. There you go. <laughs> she's, telling, she's telling me it's her. I'm sure. And I'm now going to quote you and say, no, it's, it's all you know, about me. Well, you know, you as a unit, you okay. know, I think is one of the most important relationships. But, you know, I think that when we tend to ourselves, we are saying that we matter. And when we matter and we listen to ourselves and we tend to our heart and we tend to our wounds, we are, you know, we build our self-esteem, we build credibility with ourselves, we build integrity with ourselves, and that builds our self-confidence, it builds our self-esteem. Do you think that's really an issue today? I mean, my perspective is this generation and and current culturally where we are, we're more focused on ourselves than ever. I mean, do we really need self-love? Aren't we already there? Well, I think that we can only learn about ourselves and engage in self-love when we are in relationship with people. That's how we learn about ourselves. That's how we know how to heal ourselves. So we know how to take responsibility for ourselves. There's definitely a fine line between self-love and narcissism. I think when it's self-love in consideration for the greater good, in consideration for others, so you can show up better in your life, then I think self-love is incredibly important. You see it manifest itself with other people, perhaps like on social media or even in large events. And, you know, superficially, Mm -hmm. it looks as though people are cherry picking sort of this notion of Mm self-love and perhaps perverting it into a unique form of narcissism. I mean, that's how I see it sometimes. Right. Right. You know, the the preening yogi or the person who overshares 
in social media. Um, and that's all subjective, right? True. That's how you absolutely right. So that's how that's how you see it. Um, a lot of it is an expression of who they are, right? Whether it's artistic or they're sharing a story, it's an expression of who they are and shining the light on not just the cheery parts of their life, but perhaps you know the pain that they've had in their life, the darkness. Yeah, I, I guess I appreciate it more if it were more measured with self awareness, right? Like right. in the, projecting outward. In other right. words, you're you're talking about focusing in on yourself for for personal benefit for oneself and also interacting with others. And my perspective is if you're going to put it out there, mm-hmm. I think you have to be aware of how it's being perceived. Right. But that's a whole other layer, right? True. So sure. people are only so far on their journeys, right? And that's where they are. You know, I also believe that when we tune to ourselves, we are, you know, working through our own things, our own wounds, our own relationships. So then we can serve others, you know, to a higher level. So let's talk about your personal journey. Okay. So what's your self-love regimen? So like I said before, it's not always pretty, but I mean, for me, self-love is getting up at 5.30 in the morning. It's having a meditation practice dedicated, Mm -hmm. having a weekly yoga practice, massage, and then it's going beyond, not daily, but weekly. (laughs) I meant it's got to keep Humpty Dumpty in shape, but, um, and then it's going beyond just the physical stuff, right? It's also forgiveness forgiving myself for, you know, having a rough morning and perhaps like yelling at my kids or whatever it is, being kind, being truthful, listening to myself, right? Like that voice where we can sometimes just tune out and shy away from really bringing that, like whatever that voice inside of me is trying to tell me, really listening to that. I think I listen to my voice too much, though. <laughs> you my, my, may. My, my voice may need to be tuned down a little bit, but I understand, I understand what you're saying. Right. I get it. Right. We're, we're talking about something yes, else. Something different. All right. One last question. For sure. You've sort of told us a, a bit about your self-love right. regimen. Um, what other forms of self-love are there? I mean, to serve yourself at the highest level is, you know, tending to every part of you. So whether that's, you know, eating better, right? We right. have this one life, right? This one body, right? Feeding it well. Moving your body, exercising, healing your wounds, not blaming others, taking responsibility and accountability for your life, right? You're the conductor of your own life. True. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming in today. We're going to have to have you back in a little while and we're going to see you. We're going to see you on June 24th at the distillery district because you're one of the yogis who's going to be leading a class at OMTO this year, right? Can't wait. One of my favorite events all summer. Mine too. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on the tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Hi, I'm Jamie Busson, and I'm the publisher of Tonic Magazine and the host of The Tonic. I just wanted to remind you that The Tonic Talk Show is brought to you by Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness publication that I've been putting out for over 10 years. We're available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods, all in Toronto. You can learn more about the magazine by visiting our website, www.tonictoronto.com. And if you ever miss an episode of The Tonic, you can also hear it there. 
You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. In addition to being a lawyer and a mother of three teenagers, my next guest is also the immensely popular cookbook reviewer for Tonic Magazine, my wife, Naomi. Hey, honey. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for agreeing. It was a difficult negotiation (laughs) to get you in here. We both like to cook. But there are differences in, in our approach. I, I tend to freestyle and, and you like recipes and you like to work with them and adapt them. But more likely than not, I will make something that I've made before many, many times, whereas you're more apt to try something new. But new isn't always better, is it? It is not. I'm conflicted about this because I really like tradition and I, I have all these old cookbooks from my grandmothers and my, my late aunt and I really like having them. And I think it's important, at, particularly at family dinners and occasions, to make some traditional things. But I also get bored. And I have all these great cookbooks because right. I write about them. So I want to try new recipes when I see them. So I like both. There's a time for both. Okay. And, and that's really what we're talking about today. It's old school versus new school. So let's take some dishes, which are, I guess, thought of as old school. And you can give us the old school approach and the new school approach. Okay. Sure. Okay, so let's start at the beginning with dumplings and soup. Sure. I mean, you can't really get more old school than chicken soup. And when I was growing up, my grandmother used to make these things called kraplak, which are dumplings filled with meat. And there are lots of different types of dumplings. And I love them. And I never really learned how to make them from her. So after she passed away, I got her recipe, which of course didn't have that much detail as these things tend not to. So I searched and I found a similar recipe, which is what I use now on a website called toriavy.com. So chicken kraplak is what I make. And I make them once a year. And you know, last time I was on, we were talking about Easy way and the hard way. These are the hard way. These are the hard way. (laughs) I make them once a year and they take some time, but everybody's so happy with them. And I make them and then they say, oh, you made the crap luck. Yay. So It's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. Exactly. But of course, sometimes you don't have time for a labor of love or maybe you've got a vegetarian, let's say, and you can't make chicken crap luck or beef kreplex. So you can also make pot stickers. There's a lot of recipes for vegetarian pot stickers, which you can eat in soup or not. I saw a typical one on SeriousEats.com, but there are a lot of similar ones. They tend to have shiitake mushrooms and cabbage and carrots, and they're not hard to make. And you buy them with dumpling, the wonton wrappers you get in the supermarket, and they're good, just good for anybody. If you want to try Kraplach. Also, I have a cookbook called The Hot Bread Kitchen. And Hot Bread Kitchen is a bakery from New York. They employ immigrant women from all over to make their dishes. And it's very successful. And they had the successful cookbook. So she also in this cookbook has a recipe for Kraplach, like I make. But she has a recipe for Kraplach made with kasha, which is buckwheat growth. So it's vegan and suggests that you could serve it in a mushroom broth. So if you wanted to go old school, but you didn't want the meat, you could make some new school crap look, which is kind of an oxymoron, but works. Okay. So that's first course. Let's go on to second course. And I, you know, I guess I wouldn't call it traditional, but certainly it's a dish that everybody's familiar with, particularly if you live in, in Southern Ontario and that's buffalo chicken wings. So what would you do with that? So I recently have been making a recipe for chicken wings, which are baked, not fried, from Alex Grinichelli's new cookbook called The Home Cook, Recipes to Know by Heart. They're baked, sticky chicken wings in a 
honey pepper glaze. Right. We had those for Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, so we had them for Super Bowl Sunday. They're not hard to make, and they're good. So they're both sort of old school and new school. Because I don't think chicken wings, you would have had all that pepper and Asian spice and honey in the past, but it does now. But if you don't want meat at all, like if you've ever had the cauliflower patois, which is so good, it you is. know, cauliflower on its own can be really good. So I, we have also made roasted sriracha cauliflower bites with peanut dipping sauce, which is in the Thug Kitchen book. And so that's a great kind of Super Bowl Sunday or other sure. dish where you've got very spicy, crispy cauliflower that you dip in a peanut sauce and you got your, you know, you got the taste of chicken satay and buffalo chicken wings all in one dish, but way healthier and vegetarian friendly. Right. Okay, so let's go on to dessert. And, you know, this is a dish that, you know, it isn't sexy, but lots of people make it. And that is banana bread. Banana bread. Everybody likes banana bread. Anybody who eats bananas ends up with bananas that are too ripe. Right. So, And you got to do something with you gotta them. You got to do something with them. So I still make banana bread with chocolate chips, of course. But if you want something different, I've recently seen a recipe in Gail Simmons' new cookbook, called Bringing It Home. And she actually talks about the fact that this is a take on her mother's own banana bread, but it's banana cardamom upside down cake with salty caramel. So all those flavors are really modern. It still uses mashed bananas and it's not hard, but it's just an updated way to make banana cake. Modern, like everybody loves salty caramel. Okay. And, you know, do you have a a recipe for the old school banana bread or what would you do with that? Oh, I mean, you can look at the joy of cooking. You can look at any basic banana bread. There's so many versions that they have online. For example, if you want it gluten-free or nuts or no nuts or with whole wheat flour or not, they're all pretty much the same. You know, I think the key difference when you're looking at the modern cookbooks, it's a lot more vegetable forward. I think, than older cookbooks. And, you know, the way they approach putting together a meal is different. I think that's probably the key difference, that the dishes, the portions tend to be smaller, they're more vegetable forward, and it's more mixing and matching as opposed to saying appetizer, main, dessert. Of course, nobody mixes dessert with main, but almost like small plates. Yeah, it's a different way of eating, a different way of cooking, different way that people use their time. So things change. But then at the same time, when it's an occasion, there's time for old school putting in the effort. For sure. Well, thank you for coming in. You're coming back next month, right? Of course. If we're still together as a couple (laughs) after all these many decades. And, you know, we always appreciate when you share your passion for cooking and cookbooks. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and thetonic.ca. For articles written by our guests, Joel Thuna, Sari Nisker-Fox, and Naomi Bussin, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss how men can get their mojo back, why it's hard for some women to say no, and living in the big city of Toronto. This is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.